All right, guys, welcome back to Destination Healthcare, the podcast to learn about your favorite healthcare professionals. They will be sharing with you their advice, their insight, and the lessons that they've learned along the journey. Our guest today is my friend, Carlene Link. Dr. Carlene Link is a clinical pharmacist who works in the inpatient setting for a level one trauma hospital. She completed her undergrad at John Carroll University, received her PharmD from the Ohio State University College of Pharmacy, and completed her PGY-1 residency at Mount Carmel St. Anne's Hospital. In 2010, she became a board-certified pharmacotherapy specialist. She began her career as an internal medicine clinical specialist, where she worked inpatient rounding with her teams for five years and then moved into the business sector, working for an international drug information company for another five years. Following the birth of her second child, she stepped back from corporate America to raise her kids while returning to the clinical setting. A mom of two active boys, she is a workout enthusiast who loves fashion, cooking, traveling, and reading. She's an active medical blogger on social media who is extremely passionate about empowering women, especially those in healthcare, to find what truly makes them happy while achieving what balance means for them, as well as advancing the profession of pharmacy. Find her on social media at Dr. Carlene Link. Welcome to the podcast, Carlene. Well, thank you, Jake. How are you? I am doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited. I'm excited too. So let's get into it. Before we learn about your life as a pharmacist, and I ask you some questions that I've been dying to ask you, let's start with your background. So uh, what was your childhood like? My childhood was incredible. Um, I come from a large Italian family where, you know, your cousins are like your siblings. Um, I have two parents that ironically did not go to college, but pushed my sister and I to go above and beyond and pretty much told us that nothing was out of reach um, to keep working hard, that failure is part of the process. And that if you stumble and you fall, you know, your only limitation in life really is you and you can move past it, you know, and it's all about figuring out how to, to kind of move that stumbling block away. So I had a very supportive childhood, a very loving childhood filled with so many memories, um, you know, and I look back and there are days that I just wish that I could, you know, relive again, you know, at, mm -hmm. at 38 years of age. So very fortunate. Um, grew up in the Midwest, um, lived in the Midwest my whole life. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the colleges that I went to. I had the best of both worlds. I went to a private undergrad in one of the biggest universities in the country. So I got to sort of really experience everything. So I feel very fortunate. Amazing. And if you guys heard what she said there, failure is part of the process. I post about that all the time. If you guys have been following me on social media, there is no one that has gotten to a, a successful place in this world without failing. And if they tell you that they never failed, they are lying to your face. Do you agree, Carlene? Uh, 225%. <laughs> Amazing. All right. So I, this is something I read about you that I would love uh, your response on. I read that in high school, you had decided to pursue a career as a pediatrician. You're a clinical pharmacist now. When your father asked at that time if you had ever considered pharmacy, you responded, quote, you mean counting pills. To humor him, you decided to shadow a clinical pharmacist in the hospital, and you actually loved it. You entered college as a pre-med, though, and during your junior year, when it was time to make a decision, you wrote out a list with pros and cons of being a physician versus a pharmacist. Could you walk us through this list? Because I'm sure someone out there is listening and maybe they have the same list in front of them. 
Yes, absolutely. So your, um, my father seemed to know he was so wise and he, it, my parents are not in medicine at all. Let me just preface that. Like they, they're business owners, but not in medicine at all. And he seemed to know all of this insightful information that I had no idea because literally when most people pharmacy, even today, when you think of a pharmacist, you think of somebody standing in a retail setting dispensing medication, which it's a very important part of what we do. So when I didn't, when I really didn't know what that all meant, um, and I decided to shadow that pharmacist and I kind of saw the other side of pharmacy and she was a hospital staff pharmacist. She wasn't even a clinical specialist. I thought, this is crazy. I can't believe what they see, what they do, blah, blah, blah. So then when it got to the point to make my list, because my academic advisor had said, you're a very strong candidate to go to medical school. Um, I made this list and it made, it kind of looked like, and my father even said, you know, I know you want to be a mother someday. You need to make sure that if you want to go, you know, one way or the other, how is that going to kind of tie into everything? And you guys, I'm going to tell you one of my biggest blunders, and we'll probably talk about this at some other point was I did not shadow a physician at that point in my life. So I made this pro con list based on what I knew and what I had seen and knowing that, okay, yes, I could become this clinical specialist. I can be, you know, an integral part of this rounding team. I could still get a doctorate degree. I could still help people. But I really had this preconceived notion that it was going to be virtually impossible possible for me to have a family and be a physician. And that was really the deciding factor. And you guys, it's so, that was so false. It was just me being young and I don't want to say stupid, but I was very naive because I hadn't shadowed people in that field. So that was a pro con list that I made for me. And my list is going to look very different than what your list is going to look like. And the awesome part about making a pro con list, you guys, is that especially now as all of our fields are advancing, um, we're seeing so many other opportunities in pharmacy that didn't exist or I didn't even know existed when I was even going through school, which we'll probably talk about at some point. So if I could give you a piece of advice, if you're really trying to decide between two careers or three careers or you're pre-med, but you're just not sure what to do, you really need to shadow somebody in that field. And you can pick a couple of different people because obviously internal medicine physicians are completely different than psychiatrists or pediatricians. And that was my biggest mistake. But where I was in my life, that's how I decided to pursue pharmacy because I still could become an integral member of the team but I thought it would work out more in my favor to have a family down the road. That was kind of where I went. Got it. Thank you for that. And, and, and just to reiterate, yes, yeah, shadowing is key. And this is something I talk about too, because um, you know, one of my regrets is that I never shadowed a primary care doctor. Um, during the, fir the first time I applied to medical school, I had only shadowed plastic surgeons, uh, you know, vascular orthopedic surgeons, uh, because at the time I wanted to be a surgeon but I had never even seen primary care. And so I went to an interview and they blasted me for not chattering primary care, which is an integral part of uh, medicine. And so I echo what you're saying, Carlene, shadow as much as you can. I know, you know, we are recording this in August of 2020 and shadowing is very difficult, if not impossible with COVID, but uh, soon you may be able to get back to shadowing and I would advise you guys to shadow pharmacy, nursing, PT, and really figure out if that's the kind of life that you would like to live. You guys, my shadowing experience with a pediatrician at that point was when I went to the pediatrician as a patient. I mean, how, <laughs> how dumb. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but that, you know, you're seeing it. I'm like, oh, this is a great career, but I had no idea the ins and outs of it. Had I done that, my life might look a little bit differently right now, honestly, because I love medicine, but I shortchanged myself because I didn't really know everything kind of 
beyond what I knew. So mm-hmm. totally echo what you're saying. So let's talk about um, and something I always touch on in this podcast is any sort of roadblocks that you hit along the way. Because, you know, as you discussed earlier, failure is part of the process. And very rarely is it just a smooth ride into medical school or a smooth ride into pharmacy school. So have you had any roadblocks on your pursuit towards pharmacy school? Absolutely. My biggest roadblock was my, my own personal mental state. First of all, let's just get like, let's talk about the elephant in the room because so many of us that go on to become professionals, like advanced professionals, and I would especially say in medicine, I think a lot of us have very similar characteristics. You get to this point where you get in school and all of a sudden school gets really hard and you could be studying for eight, nine hours a day. You are sacrificing time with your family. You are sacrificing time to go home. Guys, let's be honest. I went to the Ohio State University. I didn't go to all those football games. I was at the library studying for 12 hours a day when you're hearing, you know, the the band play. It sounded like a great (laughs) old time, but, you know, and I I did get to enjoy myself, but the mental aspect of, of, you know, questioning myself, like, do I belong here? Do I really have what it takes to do this? I can't do this. The first thing you have to do is you have to tell yourself you can do this because your your only limitation in life, and I firmly believe this, is your mindset. And if you don't change that mindset, you guys, it's going to make for a really rough at least four years of school and then whatever you do beyond school. So that was my first roadblock. My second roadblock was I had to figure out... um, I'm going to get bad grades sometimes, you know, and a bad grade, like, you know, a C in uh, medicinal chemistry, which was one of, I'm not going to, I shouldn't say this, was one of probably the worthless, most worthless classes that we had to take because I don't use it. Maybe chemists would use it, sure, or drug developers, but for what I do, I don't really need it. It was a really hard class, you guys. Um, pharmacokinetics was a really hard class, you guys. But just because you get a bad grade, that doesn't mean you're going to be a bad practitioner. And I think a lot of you guys who are taking your steps, your step exams, I know you feel the same way. So just know that, you know, that's not going to, that doesn't correlate to the type of practitioner you're going to be. So I had to get over that. And once you learn that, you know, you're learning to, um, to, to become a really good practitioner and care for people for the rest of your life. So get out of your own mind and get past the fact that you're not going to necessarily be this 4.0 student. Do not compare yourself to the person at home that's getting that, you know, maybe they're getting a 4.0, but are they working? Are they volunteering? Are they studying 24-7? I mean, are they living a life? Like, c- compare yourself to who you were yesterday to see the progress that you've personally made, because that is the only true comparison you can make. So those were the two biggest blocks that I had to go through. And the third, you guys, you're going to sacrifice. You're going to miss weddings. You're going to miss funerals. You're going to miss holidays. You're going to miss a lot of things. But in the grand scheme of life to accomplish, you know, giving, you know, part of your life to medicine, it's totally worth it. And you're going to have a lot of other events that you'll be able to make up. And your family and friends will understand, I promise. You nailed it. The number of uh, football games, uh, formals, dates that I've missed um, because of my pursuit to medicine, countless. And I never, now I am 27, about to be 28, in my last year of medical school, not once do I ever think back and say, ah, should have went to that South Carolina game back sophomore year college. That would have changed everything if I just went to that game instead of staying in the library and studied OCHEM and ended up getting a 80 or 78 on the test anyway. I never think about that. Um, so sac- make the sacrifices, guys, because it is worth it. 
totally. All right. So um, let's talk about the structure of, of pharmacy school. So for people that may not be aware, uh, I know it's four years, but um, can you walk us through what the um, progression is like from classroom to clinic? Absolutely. So I'll speak from my experience. It's been a hot minute since I've been in school, but from what at least what Ohio State had done was your first year, I hate to call it this, you guys, but it's sort of almost like a weed out year because there are people that are going to um, not really show their top potential and put the time and effort into some of these classes. So you're taking classes like medicinal chemistry, which takes a long time. You're going to be taking some classes about like the history of pharmacy. Um, some, uh, I think we did biochem that year. I'm trying to remember like some basic courses. And then you start to kind of introduce a little bit of um, like pharmacology. We did some pharmacology. Then your second year, you're starting to get into some hefty classes. And this is where um, pharmacology and therapeutics sort of married together. So meaning pharmacology drug classes, how do they work? What are the individual nuances? That's how we're starting to learn, okay, beta blockers and then OLOL. I actually just did a post about this today on my Instagram. Um, you know, So we're memorizing those. But then the cool part is, is it's pairing up with the therapeutics courses as to what do we use beta blockers? for? How do how does the drug work in the body? But what does the body do to the drug? Like, how do we treat these disease stasis? Where do they, uh, where do they fall in the pathophysiology of a disease state, et cetera? So that's kind of cool. And I liked how that all lined up. Um, we had our practice lab. So we had a compounding lab, you guys. Wow, were those practicals um, super freaky. I would go in there like sweating because if you messed up a compound, you obviously failed you know, your test. Um, so that was interesting. So we learned how to compound and mix and levigate and do all this. And we actually do do some of that. Sometimes in the hospital, we'll get a, 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 a compound and I'm like, oh God, got to go back to these. So, but it's fun. I, I kind of like that part. And then um, you're starting to, you know, you're encouraged to intern. So a lot of us had internships, whether in retail or in the hospital or both. And then your fourth year, you are out doing your rotations. And you know, for somebody like me who knew I wanted to go directly into residency, I purposely structured my rotations to get really not only challenging rotations inpatient, but I wanted to go to institutions where I potentially wanted to do residency. And I wanted to, I wanted to interview them just as much as they were going to be interviewing me. So there was a lot of purpose, you know, to how I set my fourth year up. Um, but that's kind of, you know, the progression of it. And, you know, and of course there's other courses that you do take in between, but that's kind of the, the four year, but I will say our second year in pharmacy school was by far one of the most challenging. Um, and we sometimes would have like four or five exams in a course of a 24 hour period. I don't know if you guys could identify with that, um, if that's mm -hmm. how you're set up, but that was pretty rough. One thing I did really enjoy though, is our first year, we did take anatomy with the med students. We didn't get to do gross anatomy, which is a, it's a huge detriment and pharmacists should have to do it, but we got to take class with you guys in your building and that was neat. So we got to integrate with the medical students that, was, that, that were our year. So that was kind of fun. So cool. So you mentioned that, um, and I love about this, this about the podcast that I learned so much from, from talking to all these different specialties until recently, I didn't know, uh, that pharmacists did residency. And I only in the last couple of months did I, uh, meet someone that was in their residency for pharmacy and it blew my mind. So I just, I just didn't know that. Could you walk us through what residency you did and what residency options are available? And do you need to do residency? 
Such a great question. So the script has really flipped. So I graduated farm pharmacy school in 2008. And then I did my my postgraduate year um, from 2008 to 2009. So back then pharmacy residencies weren't like that popular because I felt like there was a lot of um, a lot of credence on people going right into retail. Like we needed pharmacists in retail and they were dangling a lot of money in front of people. And I hate to say that, but it's the truth. And people just weren't interested in pursuing residency. But I knew for me, I wanted to be challenged at the top of like what I could practice at. I wanted to be part of a team. I wanted my attending to look to me and say, Carlene, all right, this Vanco trough just came back. What are we doing with this? And I wanted to be the one that my residents could page and I can help you guys. So we, you know, doing residency, we say one year of residency equates to like three years of experience. So what we do in the pharmacy world is it's a postgraduate year one. It's pretty general. You kind of rotate through different specialties, kind of like what I'm, I'm assuming a lot of you guys might do um, in your first year of residency if you're in medicine and you get to kind of pick your electives and whatnot. Um, and then a lot of us do go on to do PGY2 post graduate year two residency. So that is specialty. So like my husband is an oncology clinical specialist. He's a little bit older than me. So back in his day, he didn't have to do a PGY2. He kind of structured his PGY1 to be a specialty, you know, focus on cancer. But let's say now I came out of my PGY1. I actually almost did my PGY2 in oncology. So my whole year would be sub-focused on oncology. I would be, you know, just uh, on Luke's limp solids. It would be pretty neat. Um, some people go on to do fellowship after that. Um, and then really now, because so many people do want to do residency, um, it's very competitive. You know, we've got Amcare, we've got Hemonc, ID, critical care, pediatrics, nuclear pharmacy, which is pretty cool. And then after you complete all this, you can get board certified in your specialty area, which is what my husband and I both did post-residency. Wow. Um, there's so many different residency options. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about career uh, options that you have. So, you know, you graduate residency. I know, you know, you talked about working in, in retail. Uh, I know that's an option working in the hospital. I'm assuming you could work in research, uh, management, business. What, uh, can you talk about some of the career options that you have available as a pharmacist? Yes. And I think this is so important, Jake, because I truly believe like when I talk to people, most people and and it's no fault of their own, just think of pharmacists in retail. They don't even know pharmacists verify orders in the hospital. They just think that you just get your medications, which, you know, we're, we're a, another check, right? We're, we're all part of the healthcare team. So you kind of nailed it. You talked about retail. There's the staff pharmacist option. Then you've got your clinical pharmacist options, both on the inpatient and outpatient side, which is great. Some people go the management route. Um, some people, that could be like a director of pharmacy. That could be the director of several hospitals. That could be the chief pharmacy officer of like a health system, like the Cleveland Clinic, for example, that comes to my mind. Um, we have informatics, IT is coming out with residencies now. So there's a lot of people going into IT, um, managed care, home health infusions. Um, we talked about ambulatory care, compounding. So there's some compounding specialty pharmacies, which are pretty neat, mail order. Um, some people still own their independent you know, pharmacies and trying to put a spin with medication therapy management. That's a huge opportunity for pharmacists to, um, to be licensed in that. My husband and I are both certified in that. Um, I'm kind of not sure where it falls into the grand scheme of things as things are changing like we might have to be recertified, but that's going to be a way for pharmacists to consistently bill and help participate 
in you know the healthcare process. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would I want to talk about? Um, advocacy, government affairs, consulting, legal. I had a couple of pharmacists that I know have their JD. Um, wow. They teach academia. I mean, there's a lot of options. You just have to kind of go, got to kind of like look after it. They're not as, it's not as apparent unless you like do your digging. Oh, and the mm-hmm. last one, health startups starting to become huge in pharmacy. I've, I've connected with a few people doing some really impressive things in the world of pharmacy. Amazing. What, uh, this is something I've recently been asking about because I think it's important for all the listeners to hear this. What's a typical salary for a pharmacist, say in retail uh, versus the hospital? Um, what can you expect as a pharmacist? So from my knowledge, um, and I should have researched this. When I came out of school, it, there was a huge gap. There was the gap in retail plus the sign-on bonuses. I mean, you're looking at, you know, 120,000 plus a year. Okay. Mm. And they were giving sign-on bonuses. So to, to my guesstimate, I still believe as you're coming out of school, um, retail is still giving, I think around, you know, the six figure mark. I don't know if it's like on the lower end now. I feel I've, it, it kind of depends on the saturation, the area where you're at. Mm-hmm. Same thing though, in the hospital, um, you can expect to make a very, very uh, hefty, you know, six figure salary. So a lot of us that have been practicing for a while, I mean, we're making between like the 125 and 150 mark. Um, And we also have, you know, consulting opportunities and, and whatnot too. So there, the salary, the compensation, um, it is nice. It is nice, but you've got to kind of remember too, that um, you're sort of starting at the top of your field and having like small incremental gains because of uh, that's just the way that the, the pharmacy profession is currently structured. Hopefully that will change because I think there's a lot of think tankers and a lot of people that are going to be moving the profession to allow us to have more business opportunities in the future. Cool. Thank you for that. Um, it's always so interesting. I was just talking to um, Chrissy um, on uh, last season or early this, early this season, and she was telling me CRNA salaries. And I was like, what? She was yeah. saying, you know, some, you know, it's all about location too, you know, location, oh, yes. location, location, and, and same as uh, physicians. Um, some places in, in rural uh, America will pay significantly more for a pharmacist or a nurse or a doctor to go work out there. And it's a good gig to think about if you are open to living in different places. Um, but yeah, I, thanks for, for saying that. And um, for you listening at home, there is, um, from what I understand, a wide variety of, of salaries depending on location, specialty, et cetera. And travel too. I forgot about that. Some people you know, do those per diem jobs. I don't know if they're as common in pharmacy, but um, those may pay. And if you want to go to rural Nebraska for six months, I mean, that might be a smart option. If they're going to mm-hmm. pay you, you get to go somewhere new and you start paying down those nasty loans that most of us are accruing, right? Like, let's be oh, honest. Yeah. Yes. Um, nasty loans. That's good. <laughs> uh, okay. What is the most gratifying aspect of being a pharmacist? Um, I think pharmacists are, um, we have a very unique perspective in medicine because the, the, where we fit in the, the puzzle is we've got this really unique knowledge of medication. We, we get a nice background of diagnostics. Obviously, it's not as strong as what you guys learn, you know, in medical school. So we're, we're understanding that component. But I think I really enjoy being able to look at a patient, figure out how I can make their medication profile maximize to the best of my abilities, make their experience as safe as possible, 
bring it back to the medical team and then not only help educate the patient, but I'm helping to teach my medical team. And then on top of it, since you know, the gratifying part for me is, is I, you know, especially when I was rounding, I learned so much from you guys because I got to experience so much of what you learned in school and what they don't focus on us. So it was, it was just such a beneficial, you know, part of, um, of, of me being like that type of healthcare provider. But honestly, I feel like I just have a spot where I can help the physicians, help the residents, help the patients. I can give back to the students. I love, love precepting both med and pharmacy students and residents. I learned so much from them too, but I think our medical training makes us very unique. I don't think anybody else, I guess, in our healthcare realm gets the same type of medication training as we do. So mm -hmm. I think we have a lot to offer there and it's fun. Yeah. You know, you make it, make it sound like medicine is such a team sport and it really is um, in the hospital now. And it's, you're working with the pharmacist who's rounding. There's nurses, there's medical students, residents, there's an attending there. It's, it's a whole team. Uh, we bring in PT, you know, it's, it's so cool to see everyone work together. And I never really saw that till I entered medical school and I never worked hand in hand with the pharmacist until I was on my neuro neurology rotation. And we had a pharmacist that rounded with us. And whenever there was like any sort of question about medication, she would just be like, bam, like, this is the dosing. We should do it, you know, BID or, you know, two times a day. And, um, we should actually decrease the dose here because the side effect profile may show. And it was just like, you know, my mind was blown with how much she knew way, way more than I ever studied. Yeah. It's mutually beneficial for all of us. And it makes us better healthcare providers, I think, by working together the way that we do. It's medicine is very different. It's just a very different, I think, um, the team approach has just grown. Mm -hmm. So, which is great. Agreed. All right. Um, if you were standing on the tallest mountain in the world and you could shout advice to all the pre-farms out there that are listening to this, what advice would you have for them? Okay, guys, I'm going to like geek out and be a little cliche and give you some quotes that I live by. Um, but the first piece of advice, we kind of touched on this before, is shadow, shadow, shadow. I know in 2020, we are living in unprecedented times. Um, Jake, you're in med school. I mean, you're living this. You're, you know, your rotations certainly look very different than they would if we weren't in COVID. Am I correct? Correct. So um, just you guys do your due diligence in shadow. And if you're still on the fence of pharmacy, no offense taken, start looking at some of these other options. I want you to shadow doctors. I want you to shadow PAs. I want you to shadow nurses or nurse practitioners. So that's the first piece of advice. The second is just start. That is something like I was talking to you guys about my mindset. My mind runs a million miles an hour. And sometimes I get so paralyzed as to where to start because I am like, oh my God, where am I going to just start? Just figure it out. Start looking at programs. Start looking at what, what it takes to be a pharmacist. Start talking to people who are in pharmacy school. Maybe they're in residency. Maybe they're working right now. So just start. Um, your mindset is your only true obstacle in life. And I know that might sound weird to you, but people who, you know, you might know somebody who have, has come from like the lowest point of their lives and has just, you know, nailed it, knocked it out of the water. They figured out if they couldn't push that obstacle, you guys, they figured out how to jump over it. They figured out how to go around it. Maybe they dug under it, but they didn't stop. So just don't, don't let your mindset stop you. That is because you, you can control your mindset is, is your biggest asset, but your biggest 
biggest detriment too. You can control how you respond to anything. Even if you can't control what happens to you, you can control how you respond to it. Um, you are your only limitation. And remember when you wanted what you currently have. A lot of us, a lot of ambitious people, you know, we hit these goals and then we're like, oh, I should be doing this now. I should be here now. Well, guess what? Six months ago, you wished you were right where you're sitting. So guess what? Just start. Just start and keep working toward it. So those are some of my favorite quotes and my favorite mantras. But you guys keep that mindset healthy. I, I slip into it every once in a while too. But you can change it at any second. And um, you know that, that will allow you to hit your goals and your dreams. And we're not running a race here. It doesn't matter if it's in two years, two months, 20 years. Don't limit yourself with these crazy timelines. Nobody's got time for that. So just keep going. Remember when you wanted what you have now. I love that. That's so cool. Because yeah, I totally vibe with that. There were, I would have killed to be where I'm at right now back when I was a college kid or high school kid. Um, but sometimes you get so lost in what you're doing now and it's always like the next thing. What's the next thing? Um, so I love that quote. So great, Carlene. Thank you. Your, um, cause your story, the way that where you've come from where you were and you're just your medical journey, which is so impressive for, you know, hopefully everybody on this podcast or listening to this podcast knows it. That's that makes me think of you because look where you are right now. Thank you, Carlene. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Okay. So let's, um, Let's end with this. This is a good question. I always like to bring it back uh, to social media at the end here because that's how I met you and that's how I met everyone on this podcast. Um, so how do you balance being a mom with two children, being a clinical pharmacist, a workout enthusiast, an entrepreneur, active on social media, which as of this recording, you have 15.8 thousand followers on Instagram. How are you able to handle all of these different things in your life? Great question. So um, like many people, I'm sure, I you know, have this mentality where I do everything at 125%. And when it doesn't go that way, I get super duper hard on myself and down with myself. And I will tell you, having kids is a very humbling um, experience because you learn really quickly that you have to let certain things go. Um, they, they kind of, it's like, they teach you so many lessons that you don't realize. And then as you, as they're growing up, you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe, you know, that I didn't think about this kind of stuff before. So what's gotten me through, um, and, and again, I have my dark moments with social media too. I think a lot of us do, but what's gotten me through is I look at my life as a work-life fit. I call it the work-life pendulum, you guys. And my pendulum is constantly going like this. Sometimes my pendulum goes like this multiple times in an hour. And what I have to do is wherever that pendulum is swinging, I need to focus my attention and time on that point. So if, if work's a little crazy, COVID's been crazy, you know, they, they need us to be up to speed on, you know, new, our, our new Venko consult policies and our renal dose policies and things. And I need to concentrate. I need to give my time there because that's important. When I have issues at home with my kids, I, we've had unfortunate, you know, like some sickness going on the last couple of months. I'm a mother. My, my kids will always come first. 
I need to focus on my kids. So what I try to do, I'm trying to learn how to work smarter, not harder. Um, when something's not working, I need to try to figure out how to make it work better or what I could, I'm very open to constructive criticism. I'm very open to um, trying to figure out better ways to do things. I love connecting with people. Um, I've formed a lot of great relationships. I'm talking to a friend that I may have never met had I not been on social media. I'm grateful for that. I mean, watching what Jake has done in the past few months, mind blowing. So I mean, I just, I do my best to understand that my pendulum is going to move. Um, but the one piece of advice you guys, and this comes from a place of, you know, the, the postpartum depression that I did experience after my second child, you need to take care of yourself. That might mean stepping away from social media. That might mean, even though your pendulum is swinging and swinging and swinging, you know, you might have to say, okay, you know what? I need to go get my workout in then I'm going to take care of what I need to do with my kids. And then whatever's left this evening, I will work on this. But then tomorrow I'll have to get up a little bit earlier and I'm going to have to study. So it is okay to do that. So you guys, it's not going to be perfect. Your work-life fit is not going to look like my work-life fit, but something that I'm super passionate about is helping, especially women in healthcare know that there is no guilt for how you want to live your life. And it's taking me a long time to get here. So that's, that's kind of how I do it. And again, I'm a work in progress. Um, but I truly believe that you can have it all. You just have to figure out what all means for you. And you have to know how to avert your attention to where your attention is needed. Work life fit. That is amazing. Carlene, thank you for being so open. Um, I say this on every episode because I only interview people that I truly feel fit this mold, but you are vulnerable, strong. The stuff that you put out on social media, it resonates with people. And so I'm so glad that you were able to come out to this podcast and share your story with all of us. For you guys listening, you must go follow Dr. Carlene Link on Instagram and she's on TikTok now. At, is it the same, Dr. Carlene Link? It is. You guys, my TikTok game is not strong, but we're going to get there. And Reels, I'm, I have some stuff in store for Reels. I'll be talking to Jake offline about that. So yes, I am there. Yes. Uh, Carlene, thank you so much. This was a blast. And uh, for you guys listening, you got to check her out. Even if you're not going to pharmacy, if you just want to feel empowered and, and motivated at Dr. Carlene Link on Instagram and TikTok, and um, just thank you so much for, for coming, Carlene. Jake, thank you. It means the world. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Destination Healthcare. If you made it this far, then hopefully you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, please consider clicking that subscribe button. If you particularly enjoyed today's episode, I'd love to receive a rating and a review from you. Unless you hated it, then maybe don't do that at all. See you guys next week.